0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And this week, we catch up on the latest news in the elite world, including Shailice Jones' new skill, Gabby Douglas's return to competition next and at the Winter Cup, and a few other notable notes from the most recent national team camp. We also talk about some of the highlights from week six of NCAA Gymnastics, including Talladega notching the first ever win for an HBCU gymnastics team, the floor to Gators putting up their season best performance, and our thoughts on who has a shot at the NCAA Championships as we sit at the halfway point of the season. So we hope you enjoy. Okay, so we're going to start with some elite news. I feel like we haven't talked about elite gymnastics in a hot second. So number one, everybody needs to stop what they're doing and go watch the Gabby Douglas video that dropped on Inside Gymnastics YouTube channel, as well as the article on Inside Gym's website brought to you by yours truly. Ashley did an amazing job on the article, and I feel like the YouTube video we knew was going to get more attention just because there's clips of Gabby Douglas training, and it's also just a video interview, which might be more... I don't know if engaging is the right. Oh, word, totally! It's, like it's I would compelling. so much. I would so much rather sit down and watch a five-minute video than sit down and read something that's going to take me ten minutes to read. I totally get that. But the story was really well written. Thank you. I'm very proud of it. Honestly, it's one of my favorite things that I've ever written. Yeah. Um, and of course I have to shout out the team. I couldn't do it without Christy, who's my coworker at Inside Gym, and then also Brittany who came with and filmed all the videos and is like the visionary behind the actual video. Like I do a lot of the actual editing, but Brittany's the one that's like, That's got to come in here. That clip's got to go out there. You got to have this music and have it fade in here. Like, Britney just has, like, the vision. It comes to me, like, instantly sometimes, and it's kind of iconic, I will say. I think that's definitely your inner volleyball girly 15 (laughs) coming out. I think we joked about this on the podcast before. That is, long story short, Britney and I, back when we were kids on YouTube, we had, um, like, channels where we, like, edited videos for fun. That's, like, all we did was make montages. And it was, like, our favorite thing in the world. And I think I was gymnastics fan 14, and Brittany was, like, volleyball girly 15 or something because she was, like, trying to be, like, I'm, like, versatile. Like, I like more than just gymnastics. So she had, like, a volleyball username, even though she was totally a gymnastics fan. (laughs) And I didn't even make the volleyball team. No. I just changed it to that because I was trying out for the volleyball team. (laughs) She was just, like, trying so hard to be different, and it just didn't work out. Gymnastics is where her heart was, and that's where she was meant to be. And then fast forward, you know, 20 years later, she's the visionary behind this lovely gabby douglas video (laughs) well thanks for the shout out i do appreciate it well i don't want to sit here and act like it was all me like i definitely couldn't do it without you and with christy as well Mm -hmm. um it was definitely a team effort so and i think it's something that we're just really proud of oh totally 100 like i'll always look back and be like that's so cool that we got to do that um but also that it came together like it did and i don't know it turned out as well as it did normally when we do videos for inside gym There's always something that we regret. Like there's something that like the camera blurred here, or oh, you always think happened with the mic, or like something with the editing that we ended up not liking. Yeah, like we did an interview. Well, it was about a year ago now. um, With Grace McCallum, we went to Utah, and the camera was just like a little bit too far down, so it kind of looked like we were basically like underneath her eye level. But I feel like it wasn't noticeable. You didn't really think anything of it until you get back and you look at the footage and you're like, well, that doesn't look like super great. Like, it's not the end of the world. Like, I probably should have had the camera up a little bit more. Yeah, so you learn something every time. Right. And we're not professionals. Like, we, I especially, Ashley kind of went to school for this type of thing, but like, I did not at all. Mm -hmm. So, all of this is completely new to me. It's just stuff that is self taught and it's very trial and error.
1: So, it's really rooted
0: in our like deep. Seated passion as children yeah obviously the love for gymnastics was always there but we always had this like passion to edit videos and i just remember now we're getting off topic sorry but i remember being like kids trying to edit on windows movie maker which is like (laughs) the most basic ass (laughs) program like you can't do anything on windows movie maker and then we did the jordan weber feature when we were like 16 years old or something but we had somebody else on YouTube who was like a well-known like YouTube montage maker at the time edit the video because we didn't have the software we didn't know how to do it like at all I mean it's just crazy to think that like now we do know how to do things like that and just to have something that like you're super super proud of I don't know I love it and I think who it is too the fact that it was Gabby Douglas and it's this big moment where she's returning to elite competition and she doesn't do a lot of interviews so I think when you look at the bigger picture it really puts into perspective like just how big of an opportunity this was yeah. really for both of us. Mm-hmm. So and I'm just so excited. Grateful. I'm so excited that it's finally out, finally got permission to release it to the world. That's a whole thing. But anyways, I'm sure by now most people have probably seen the video, but if you haven't go look, because there's a lot of training clips, Gabby on bars and beam, that's all we saw when we went to practice. And what you see in the video is what she was doing aside from um, She was doing chow halves, and then she was also doing double layouts off bars, which we saw her doing, but just weren't recording at the time. Yeah, that was what she was doing when we walked in, so obviously we had to get set up and you can't just like walk in and immediately start filming like you have to say hi to people you have to introduce yourself you have to like establish yourself right you can't just like run in the gym with your camera like the lens is already on like it's in it's ready to go it's like all the settings are set you just run straight in without saying hi to anyone and start recording right so by the time that we actually were in a position to start filming we had missed that little portion of her bar warm-up that day but we made do with what She did do, and she she looked great. Yeah, so she's working Healy, Lane, to Pike, Jaeger, which is a new combination. She's never done Pike, Jaeger, and I don't think in competition she said that she's ever done the Healy to Lane combination either, so she's trying to do all three, did confirm that. In the video, she's not connecting all of that. Like, she's doing Healy, Lane, and then she's doing Lane to Pike, Jaeger, but the goal is to do Healy, Lane to Pike, Jaeger, so keep your eyes out for that. Um, she was also doing a switch half to rain jump on beam, which is also new. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. We've seen her training a double layout on floor. That was not something that we saw when we were in, but... The day that basically all of this news broke that Gabby was going to be competing at Winter Cop, she posted a video on her Instagram that included a double layout. Yeah. And she says she has a very mysterious floor routine. So we're going to get to see that at Winter Cop because she is doing all around at Winter Cop. And I'm imagining we didn't see her do vaults as well when we were in the gym, but I'm imagining she's probably going to be doing the Yurchenko double. I would think. But then it's like, watch her come out with an Aminar. Right. Who knows? <laughs> she looks great, though. She looks super fit. Sorry. (laughs) She looks super fit, um, stronger than ever. Really just consistent, even. Like, in the gym, she hardly made a mistake. Everything that she did, technique-wise and execution-wise, was absolutely flawless, for the most part. And I do think we talked about this, if it was last week or the week before that, but... I remember us talking about this. I was just amazed by how quickly she moved through her skills. Mm -hmm. Like, whether she was nailing it or she made a mistake and she had to get back up and do it again, there wasn't a lot of standing around. It was like, catch your breath and then go again. Yeah. And sometimes when you're, like, used to watching, like, college gymnasts, and this isn't shade towards college gymnasts, it's just the reality of the situation. There's a little bit more, like, you know, you take your turn and then you wait five minutes to go. And Gabby and, honestly, all the elites that day, they were just like, go, 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 go. And doing it, like I said, at a very high level, which I thought was really impressive, we don't often get to watch elite gymnasts train, like, hardly ever. Yeah. So to be able to see that many high-level elite gymnasts training and doing so, like I said, at a very high level, very clean gymnastics, very consistent gymnastics was honestly just really, really impressive. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited to see Gabby compete again. I think that she is definitely in contention for a spot on the Olympic team. For sure. And we'll talk a little bit about Winter Cup here in a moment. But first, I want to talk about some national team camp news. So we mentioned last week that I was sick. Um, Unfortunately, I couldn't go to national team camp like I was supposed to. But my coworker went, and of course, all the other media was there, so we got a lot of updates from camp. Shailesh Jones doing a laid-out Jaeger, I think, was maybe, like, the biggest piece of news from this camp. No one knew that she was training that skill, and she has so many potential eponymous skills that she could do. We've seen her in the past, like, when she was, like, a tiny little baby junior elite, she was doing um, one-and-a-half twisting double back, which hasn't materialized in, like, recent years. But... We still might get to see somebody do it. <laughs> yeah. So yesterday, I think it was yesterday, on Instagram, former podcast guest Hillary Heron posted a video of her doing the skill. And I didn't realize, but she's doing the World Cups. And so she can get this named after her there, potentially. If not, she can do it in Paris. She's already qualified to Paris. But mm-hmm. um doing those World Cups, this is a competition or this is an opportunity for her to Get that named after her if she successfully lands it. So the Cairo World Cup is next week. Is she on the roster for that? Do we have yes, the roster? Yes, I believe that video of her. I think she was already in Cairo. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, and it looked good. Like, it looked doable. Yeah, it was a little bit low. Like, she definitely, like, fought to keep it on her feet. But I'm sure it's one of the things that will get better Totally. The more she does it. And honestly, I think the way that she landed it in that video, despite it not being like a flawless landing, I think that's enough to get her credit because she did land it on her feet. Yeah. And that's all you need to do to get named after you. So. Right. So I'm really, really here for that. (laughs) Um, But anyways, back to Shailies. Um. The one and a half twisting double back was a skill that at one point in time that she was doing that hasn't been named after anybody in the elite code of points. We haven't seen her doing that in a while. Mm-hmm. Stalder and Ibieva was something that she was working on in like 2000, but I almost say 2012, 2022. Um, and I think people were like hoping they'd see it in 2023, but there was really no mention of that in any of the interviews that she did and we never saw her doing it in training. Yeah. Um, and then the triple L-turn, which she tried to do at Worlds, but didn't successfully get it named after her. So Shailene Jones has been trying to get the Jones to be a thing for a while. And it's just like, which skill is it gonna be? And it seems now she's going for that laid out Jaeger. And I think... Out of all the things that we've seen her doing in recent years, this is the one that I actually think could be the most realistic for her to add into her routine. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like she had a pretty good body position in the air. She kept her legs together when she caught the bar again. I think there was a little bit of leg leg separation when she released the bar, but it was very minor, not noticeable from the side where the judges are sitting right um like i said she kept her legs together when she re was re i said that <laughs> weird <laughs> which is the most important thing um and then also got pretty good height on it as well so i felt like she did it well and that's a challenging release for somebody who's as tall as shylee says yes so no, absolutely i think her doing it also in an olympic year is kind of a good sign like i don't think you're throwing skills in an olympic year that you don't have intentions of doing right like you're not playing around at this point yeah, no, I think that that could materialize. I also still think it's possible that the Steldo could materialize as well. You think? Like, I think that there's a possibility that in that bar routine, she could do both. And that's fair. I mean, to be clear, like, she has never said that she has ditched the Steldo I maybe guess, I just assumed that, like, she wouldn't be trying to go for two eponymous skills in the same routine during an Olympic year, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think that she's going for gold on bars. And she has said that. Well, she didn't I guess to be fair, she didn't say Olympic gold, but her goal for worlds last year was definitely like she was targeting that gold, not all I think her goal this year is obviously to still remain the second best all-arounder or maybe on any given day the best all-arounder in the U.S., depending on how Simone dies. I think she wants to solidify herself as that number two all-around option for the U.S. And then I also think that her best chance at a gold medal at the Olympics could come on bars. Mm -hmm. And so I think that during the next few months, she's going to be doing everything she can to make that bar routine the most competitive routine that she can do. And of course, obviously, what's most consistent and well executed. But she at least doesn't have issues with execution on mm-hmm. bars or really consistency for that matter either. Like her bar yeah. routine is already so good. So I think it's really just a matter of getting that difficulty as high as she possibly can. So that way she can contend for a bar's gold, a bar medal at the very least, and then just make her that much more competitive and, and stand a chance for um, an all-around medal as well. That routine is would be monstrous if she were to do that. So I'm super excited to see what she's going to do. She's not going to Winter Cup. So that would mean that she's probably targeting classics, which is in May. So she has a couple months to, you know, keep training, figure out her routine composition. And then, you know, we'll see in the summertime, it all comes down to those competitions and who's doing what and how consistent it is. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Shailese is going to do. Something else we saw at camp was Simone Biles training the Aminar again. Which is interesting. It is. Because does that mean that she's not going to go for the double Pike? Or is she just doing both? So she has options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, I think that the Aminar is maybe potentially less risky, but I don't know. I mean, at one point in time, I know she said that Laurent said (laughs) that he was, like, still kind of afraid of the Aminar after what happened in Tokyo, Yeah. So honestly, I didn't really think that we were ever going to see it again. But, you know, as long as she's feeling confident with it and mentally she's in a good space, that vault was just so good, so superior. The landing was always there. The technique is obviously great. I think the scoring potential maybe is a little bit higher with that than the Utranko Double Pike. But then it's hard to say because the start value is so high on that vault. I think that because she got the Utranko Double Pike named after her, I think she's content with it. Yeah. I think that's why she was like, she's not married to the walls with that last year because she wanted to get it named after her. Right. She's not actually married to like having to compete that every single time. No, I actually think that from a mental standpoint, she probably would prefer not to compete that every week or not every week. (laughs) You can tell I'm in college mode every competition. (laughs) What did you say yesterday? You said, um, what did I say yesterday? (laughs) (laughs) I forget what you were talking about, but you were like last semester and then we were talking about like, I was talking about something that happened like last week and i yeah and, and you I said, said, last I semester. said last semester and i'm like you can clearly tell where my head is at <laughs> um but anyways i think now that she's got that named after her i think that she's less compelled to continue competing it mm-hmm. and she might whip it out at some point just for funsies because that's what simone does but like she doesn't need it you know what i mean yeah so like go for whatever is the most consistent obviously but i think also for simone at the stage like mentally whatever is the easiest for you to do and the most comfortable for you to do well and the fact that like and to be clear I'm all on board with Laurent standing next to the vault while she does your tangled double pike, but the fact that she wants that or needs that tells me that like it's so risky. See, but I thought that he was doing that because he felt like he needed to be there, not because Simone felt like he needed him to be there. I mean, it maybe is a combination of both. Like I'm sure it just kind of eases everybody's mind. Probably. Um, but I don't think Laurent needs to be there. No, like, I he's... mean he's she's done it before without him being there. Yeah, and he's not you know, touching her in any way that wouldn't be allowed. So he's just a presence that's standing there. And I'm fine with that. Like, that's not the argument. I'm just saying that like, that just goes to show you how difficult and risky that vault is that it might be now that she hasn't named after her. It might be something that they don't necessarily like want to do going Mm -hmm. into an Olympic year. Yeah. Especially if she feels, like, pressure to have to land it. I mean, she didn't land it at Worlds this past year and obviously did not win the gold medal. So, I don't know. I, I could see them going back to the Aminar because it's it's a classic, you know? Yeah. She's done that vault for years. She's won a lot of medals with that vault. I think that your shango double pike is probably not worth it in the grand scheme of things. From mm-hmm. a mental and also just physical and metal potential standpoint, like, I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah. Another thing that we learned from camp, um, and this came from Castick, Jordan Childs said that she had to change her floor routine from last college season. Okay, so she was talking about last college season. I believe so. Okay. Because she completely changed her routine. The routine that she competed during the 2023 NCAA season was different than the elite routine she did in 2023. And 2022, she kept her college routine. It was the same music and it was mostly the same dance, but she like toned it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I personally think is crap. I do as well. So she, this is what she said. She said that, first of all, she clarified that it wasn't anybody at USA Gymnastics that told her this. Um, but she said, the culture and the diversity that I have within my music is what she feels is the reason that she was being asked to change her routine. Not because of her dance. She thinks it's the music. She had all 90s and black artists. And I guess people felt that she wouldn't be scored how she should be scored. So by people, we're thinking people at the FIG. Yeah, I mean, she said it wasn't USA Gymnastics. So, and I also think at this point, USA Gymnastics knows not to do things like that. They know better. <laughs> at least, I would hope. at least we hope. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think it came from somebody probably at the FIG, and yeah, just not cool. I love Jordan's routines. I love the music. I love the dance. I love the performance. Yeah, the presentation. It's so her. And I think it's unfortunate that she can't be like her true authentic self. And it kind of feels like there's someone dimming her light a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's nothing in the code of points that says that her music or her choreography, like the style of it, is against the rules, which as it should. Like, there should not be a rule that says that. But it's the fact that there's not a rule that says that she can't. So then it's like, why are you basically? telling her that she's not gonna score well then it's a matter of somebody's opinion which is wrong and And i know where is their belief or opinion what is that rooted in you know what i mean and i know this is a subjective sport but it's subjective in the sense of like do you feel she's stuck that or not not "Mm, i don't really like this music or "Mm, i don't really like the way she's moving Right. You know? And it's just annoying because Jordan is one of the best performers and one of the best dancers, period. I don't care what anybody says, You're mm-hmm. elite or college. Like, Jordan Childs is elite. <laughs> Nobody's doing it like her. Or very few, I, sh- I shouldn't say nobody. Yeah, and everyone has different styles. Like, Rebecca Andraji, like, she slays every time she's on the floor. And, like, her style's a little bit different, but, like... Not everybody's going to be a Brooklyn Morse. No. You know? And Jordan is so entertaining. I'm just so, like, offended on her behalf. And it seems that she really, like, tried to fight for it, but in the end was not successful. So that's a big bummer. And a big L for the FIG. And her elite routine was great. It year. is. Like, I still loved it. Like, it was great because everything that Jordan does is great. And she's just that type of performer. I think you could give her, like, bottom of the barrel choreography and she would make it look fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just annoying. It is. And I'm sure that most people agree with that. And I'm sure Jordan is really frustrated by it. Annoying, but also unfair. Yeah. Let her do her thing how she wants to do it. You know, there's nothing inappropriate about what she's doing. Um, In fact, it's better than what most people are doing, in my opinion. So. And at the end of the day, it's true to her and her style. And it's what she feels comfortable doing. You know what I mean? And why would we want to take that away from somebody? Right. It's 2024. Come on, people. Get with the times. Mm hmm. Okay, so moving into Winter Cup, I think the biggest thing that people are going to have their eyes on at this competition is the return of Gabby Douglas and also Trinity Thomas. Also, Brody Malone, if you pay attention to Men's Gymnastics, he's also making his comeback at this meet, but... Um, just for us, you know, focusing on the women, Gabby and Trinity are, you know, going to be maybe the stars of the show in terms of, like, the attention. And I think a really big opportunity for both of them to make a splash on the elite scene. Mm-hmm. I think the fun thing about Winter Cup is usually the quote-unquote top athletes aren't competing or they're not doing the all-around. Right. So it does leave more opportunity for someone to kind of sneak in there and get on the podium or just for somebody who's making a return in years past, you know, Lori Hernandez. This time it'll be Gabby Douglas, Trinity Tom to kind of you know make their return and make a statement yeah well I want to know it's been seven and a half years since Gabby Douglas has competed um and it's been almost a year since Trinity Thomas last competed but it's been a little over four years since she competed at the elite level so gonna be really exciting to see how they do um you mentioned like this competition not having usually the biggest names um no Simone obviously no Shailice Jocelyn Robertson is still working her way back from injury. She's in the process of putting routines together now, but you know, in order to pace herself and be ready for the Olympics, this competition just isn't on the radar which makes sense. Jade Carey, that's a little surprising to me that she's not on the roster because as we all know, she's really just been focusing on bars and beam in this college season, actually this week ironically she did do the all around, but up until this point, she's only been doing bars and beam, and she's kind of just working behind the scenes to get her elite routines ready. And so I kind of thought this was a good opportunity for her to kind of re I don't want to say maybe reestablish herself, I don't know if that's what I'm trying to say, but she didn't have the best elite year last year. It didn't mm-hmm. end well for her. I feel like she wasn't performing the way that we would expect her to or think that she would. So I thought this could have been an opportunity for her to kind of go out there and show that she's still one of the top all-arounders in the U.S. Yeah, well, and, you know, like, I'm a Malibuio, and I know she's not going for the United States team, but, like, she's in her – and Emily Morgan as well. Like, they're in their college seasons, but also breaking away to go do their elite things to set themselves up. And to be clear, I'm not judging Jade. I'm not acting like I know anything about the pacing process at all. Like, I would trust that whatever her coaches, which is her dad, is having her do is what's best for her. But she did do all around this week for Oregon State, and I guess what is the point of – in my opinion, in my mindset, what is the point of – training and you know, competing your elite routines on the side if you're gonna wait until the summer essentially. Or well, basically after the college season ends to to get back on the elite stage. I mean it must just be their pacing strategy and who but knows. She's somebody that in my opinion, she needs as much time out there proving herself as possible. Compare it to somebody like Shailice or, you know what I mean? There's some athletes out there that are a little bit more established and they can afford to sit this one out. Um, Jordan Childs, Jade Carey, Gabby Douglas, Trinity Thomas. Those are all athletes. Sky Blakely, I think. They kind of have something to prove. They do. And so that's what I think is maybe a little bit interesting about Jade's strategy with this. Um, If she was well enough to do. What about Leanne? Do you think Leanne should be going? Oh, my God. Not me forgetting about Leanne. Well, right. Because Leanne is also in her college season. Leanne 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 is being used a lot more at Florida than Jade is. Jade's strategy going into the season was very elite-focused, very Mm elite-intentional, which I think why I'm more surprised by her decision to not go than Leanne's. Leanne is training on the side elite stuff, but she's very much competing every week all around, for the most part, for Mm -hmm. Florida, Um, which you could argue that that's not the right strategy either. Like, again, I'm not necessarily questioning, like – I'm not trying to act like I know more about their... We're just and observing. I'm just sharing my opinion. <laughs> I, I think I was expecting Jade to at least be doing something at this Winter Cup. Because she is somebody who was fighting to make that Olympic team. And I think she is in a position where she has more to prove than maybe some of these other athletes. As far as the world medalists go, um, Jordan will be there. Sky Blakely will be there. Um, also, Kamara Williams... rising star who's most definitely gonna be one of the best recruits in the class of 2026 her gymnastics is amazing she is somebody that from watching her level 10 career so far my thought has always been why are you not elite (laughs) like well she said here you go I am now (laughs) yeah And I don't think that she's... I mean, watch her prove me wrong. She could totally pull a Jade Carey in 2017 and, like, go from level 10 to relevant (laughs) on the international stage. Or Kayla Williams back in, like, 2019. 2009. 2009. Yeah. It does happen. Like, we cannot act like this doesn't happen because it does from time to time. So I could be eating my words, but I don't feel like with all of the talent right now in the U.S., I don't think she's actually going to you know, being like super strong contention for the Olympic team or anything like that. Um, maybe if she's doing really, really well, could maybe find herself at Olympic trials. But I think even that is going to be tight competition. Mm-hmm. It's a um, tough field. But, you know, it'll be fun to watch her and see how she scores on the elite stage. Yeah, I'm excited to watch her in elite. I'm just excited to watch her in general. She's somebody for the 2026 class. Like you said, I'm very much like eyes on where she's going to go, what school is going to snag her, because I think she's going to be a superstar in the future, no matter what she does, mm-hmm. we heard a rumor too that Avery Naf was also training elite. So I don't know if this is confirmation that she has changed her plans. Yeah, she's doing a level ten competition somewhere mm-hmm. this season, and so. I think if she had any elite aspirations for this year, she probably would be at the Winter Cup. So I don't necessarily think that Avery Naf would be successful as an elite. No. I think it's, like, a nice idea in theory, but I think when it comes down to it, she doesn't have the difficulty in her routines to really be able to actually contend. No, for sure. But, you know, sometimes it's just fun to, like, watch people try to go elite. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's sometimes fun. it's fun. Well, it's more opportunities to see them on a bigger stage. Mm-hmm. Level 10 stuff, we don't actually get to see that often, besides Nastia Cup. So, no, I'm with you. Like, the more people that do elite, the more we're exposed to their amazing gymnastics. Um, Other, like, people that are going to be competing at Wiener Cup, winter cup why speaking is hard today it is wow (laughs) like sometimes it's just hard yeah you know today's one of those days um first year seniors did you say wiener cup i said something of the sort (laughs) (laughs) great also competing at the winter cup is first year seniors hesley rivera jayla Hane, and simone rose they still feel like I was just about to. That. <laughs> I'm like, aren't you guys like? Isn't this your first year of elite? They How literally feel like they just turned junior. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, they're seniors. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing you how, know, they- how they're going to fit into the picture. Yeah, kind of where they measure up. And particularly with Jayla obviously getting injured last year at the national championships. Um, seeing, like, what she looks like, if she's going to be doing it all around, if there's going to be any upgrades. Definitely some other people to keep your eyes on. Okay, so do we want to talk metal predictions? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, so... I have not seen other people's predictions like normally, and I'm sure as it gets closer, people will start doing this. But normally, like I see what everyone else thinks on the Internet and that can kind of like cloud your <laughs> or influence. your opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Cloud um, your judgment. <laughs> so I haven't seen like anyone's opinion. So I have no idea like what the vibes are, like what people are thinking is going to happen. But this is what I think is going to happen. And also me and Ashley have not discussed this prior. As per usual with these episodes, we do predictions and we just both write down our own and then we discuss live on the pod cuz it's fun that way. So, I'm going Gabby Douglas. Okay. For Same. the all-around champion, you know, obviously, her first competition in a very long time, but I see her coming out and like kickstarting this comeback with a bang. I see her slamming her foot down. On the heads of every single person that's doubted her, I think people need to watch out. I would be scared of Gabby Douglas if I was you. Yeah, because I think that she's kind of coming out of nowhere. It seems like a year ago, we didn't think that she was training. You know, now we know that she was. But, you know, this Gabby Douglas elite return is a very new concept in, you know, trying to figure out where she fits into an Olympic team. And who do you take out that you initially had on your team? You know what I mean? In favor of Gabby, if that's the route that you're going. I (laughs) just. I don't want to make my predictions for Paris just yet. We'll do that down the line. But um, I think it's very, very good for Gabby. And I know that's wild given that she hasn't competed yet. And we've only seen like bits and pieces of training. But there's just something about her confidence this time around her attitude this time around her mindset and also the way that she looks like she just looks so good that she would have to be like botching every single meet that she's at I think to not be in contention I just can't fathom a world in which she doesn't look at the very least just good at whatever right I'm not saying that she's gonna be like 100% destroying everybody like not necessarily but do i think that gabby douglas is going to do the all-around at winter cup and look good yeah i do Mm -hmm. and i think the potential for her to even build on that going forward is going to be even bigger um like you said she kind of just has like this good energy and vibe to her she seems very happy she seems very comfortable where she's at she seems very hungry to get back out there and kind of like prove those haters wrong like you said yeah she has a good a good vibe. And I think she's nervous to compete. She did tell us that she was, she, she was very nervous. <laughs> yeah. That was the first thing I asked her. We were like walking over to where you guys were standing. And I was like, so like, how does it feel to be back? Like, how do you feel? And then she was like, I'm nervous. Like, you could tell that she's, like... Yeah, and during oh. the interview, I asked her if she was nervous to compete. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so nervous. So, but but she, it does she still seem to have this sense of calm and confidence to her at the same time. And she did say that, like, she thought that once she got, like, in the arena and, like, was in that environment, that it would all fall into place. Like, her, she would feel comfortable. And that's totally relatable. Like, I've had so many situations in my life where, like, I've been nervous for something. And then once you're there and you're getting ready to do it... Like, you just feel in your element, and you're good to go. And you kind of, like, surprise yourself. Yeah. So I think she's going to be nervous. Who wouldn't be? Totally understandable. Um, but I also think that she's going to get in her groove. And I'm not saying it's going to be a perfect meet, but I think it's going to be a good meet, and I think it's going to be a giant middle finger to a lot of people. <laughs> That's my hope, at least. Um, so that's my prediction and my hope is <laughs> Gabby <laughs> Douglas, number one. The rest of this is subject to change <laughs> as every competition is. Um, I think it really is going to depend on who all is actually doing the all around. So right now I'm going to predict as if everybody's doing all around mm-hmm. um, and then make modifications in my mind, depending on who who's not. Um, but Sky Blakely I have right now is number two. Um, she only did bars and beam at winter cup last year. But I think that with it being an Olympic year, I think she's one of those people that is going to want to, like, start to prove herself early on. Mm -hmm. And we've seen some upgrades. Um, We recently saw a double front upgrade on four. So if she does all around, I think she's absolutely in contention. And then for my bronze medalist, I think, again, if she does all around, which I could see this person, maybe not, but Jordan Childs. Mm -hmm. She seems really confident. She seems like she's ready to go. So if she does all-around, I could see her absolutely challenging for the podium. Maybe even silver or gold. You know, it's it's really going to depend. Also in the mix, Trinity Thomas. I know she's doing all-around. What I don't know is her D-scores. I think it's going to be interesting to see her routine compositions, to see how consistent she's going to be, and see how she really fares with these people that we've been watching for the last, you know, four years. I will say with Trinity, I feel like this time in Elite will be better than her last time in Elite. Like, I have that sense. Yeah. She's just more mature. She's more experienced. I would imagine her confidence is a lot higher coming off of a college career where she was touted as one of the greatest. She of was all a time. legend. Yeah. So, like, but there are some. I feel like she has some good energy going in her favor. And I think that her gymnastics, from what we've seen, is looking better than ever. But there are some unknowns. Like, she. Has been candid about the fact that Vault is not her strongest event, despite the fact that she's really good on Vault. Um, but, but she's never competed a Yurchenko double. College good on Vault is different than elite good on Vault. That's true. And that's the difference. And if she sometimes felt that she struggled with the Yurchenko one and a half, and then now she also has never competed a Yurchenko double, I'm just interested to see how it's going to play out. That's not <laughs> to say that she can't find her groove with it, that's not to say that she can't win a medal here um i just i want to see yeah um so i definitely have her on my radar i don't have her in my metal mix at this exact moment but that again is subject to change because i think trinity could also have a really good meet here also clea lincoln Mm -hmm. she's doing the all around here i think that she's absolutely in contention for the podium yeah so she has an upgrade on floor as well and she posted a video of it a couple days ago i think um amores so laid out double double i think people definitely sleep on clea Mm -hmm. a little bit um, when she hasn't been the most consistent all around, to be fair, she's amazing on vault and floor, but I feel like her bars in particular has been weaker. Amongst Mm -hmm. the all-around competitive field. So I think in a a meet like this where there's less competition for the all-around, she definitely has a better chance of going out there, having a good meet, and getting on that podium. Absolutely. Did you have anyone else in addition to that? No. And my podium was the exact same as yours. I had Gabby Douglas one, Sky Blakely two. I think historically, Winter Cup has been a good meet for Sky Blakely, even Uh if she hasn't done the all-around. She always comes away with some sort of event title. Yeah. She was second all around in 2022. So I just feel like historically that's been a good meet for her. Um, You mentioned the upgrades on vault. I really hope that we get to see the chung. I think that. Oh, I mentioned the upgrades on floor. But yes, yeah, there's, mention, u- there's upgrades on vault, which I didn't mention. Yes. And from what we've seen in training videos, it looks really, really good. Like that is a realistic upgrade for Sky. And what better time to pull that out than now? I think that you're going to want to pull that out in an Olympic year in a meet that's maybe i mean i can't speak to the level of pressure these girls feel but i would imagine maybe slightly less pressure than waiting till the national championships or the olympic trials or maybe mm-hmm. even classics i feel like when you start getting into those summer competitions everything's back to back to back it happens very quickly there's less time to work upgrades get consistency with upgrades well, and th- now is the time to be doing those things And i think the importance of the competition even just like internally it goes up as time goes on, like the, the way that it the way it goes on the calendar is how it goes in terms of importance. And I think the expectations that not only fans and outsiders are going to have, it's, that's going to align with the expectations that the national team staff is going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I agree. I think that this is the best time. For somebody like Sky and a lot of these athletes, honestly, to get out there in a meet that kind of is isolated on its own. It's a one-off meet by itself. There's several months between this meet and the next stretch of competitions. And so it's kind of a good time to just, like, try things out and see how yeah. it goes and see where you fall. Yep. And to I build agree. confidence if you do go out there and try a new skill and hit it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, this just feels like the right timing for Sky, but also that applies for anybody. At this competition, so... Well, I'm glad that we're on the same page with this. Like, I didn't know if there was going to be, like, somebody else that you had in the mix, No, I think that if everybody's doing the all-around that we expect to be in the mix, I think that this is roughly how it's going to shake out. And then I also had Jordan Childs third. I think she's hungry to get back out there. I think she's had time now to rest and heal up and build her confidence build her routines get herself ready to be at this point so I just feel like Jordan is gonna be hungry and we already know kind of what to expect from her like she's always been good you know what I mean like you kind of can count on Jordan to to do the same thing every time she goes out yeah so then it's just a matter of does she have any new upgrades does she you know is she doing all around it's it's those types of things by the way I want to mention her motto for the season which I'm sure everyone has seen by now on social media but I love it it's I'm that girl. Because it's true. She is that girl. Period. Like, don't forget who you are. Like, she's an Olympic medalist. She's a world champion. And she's one of the best gymnasts in the U.S. right now, I think, despite not making the world's team last year and going down with an injury last minute. I think that's just going to fire her up even more. It is. She wants to be on that team, and so I think that Jordan's the kind of athlete that turns it on better than most athletes do. Mm -hmm. So, looking forward to seeing what happens. So, you can watch the competition on USA Gymnastics' YouTube channel, which is a change. Kind of weird. Normally, it's on TV. Yeah, and I'm not a huge fan of streams. Okay, first of all, I should say, you can't complain about any coverage. I mean, if you're getting a stream, that's better than no stream. And YouTube is at least accessible, like- that's Everybody true. has access to YouTube, and it's free. I'm just a snob. I just like high-quality TV broadcasts. <laughs> no, that's but fair. That's valid. That's valid. It is what it is. So junior women are on Friday, February 23rd at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Senior women are the next day on Saturday, February 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And then the Nastia Cup this year normally is before the competition. Like, before it was the American Cup, and then now it's Winter Cup. But... Um, Usually it was before the competition and now it's after for whatever reason. So Nastia Cup is going to be on Sunday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. I'm not mad about moving the Nastia Cup because I feel like they always had it Friday when college... Meets Yeah, and you always miss it. And it's so difficult because the Nastia Cup is very much like the college stars of the future. It's where you're looking at the younger division at the Nastia Cup, and you're, like, doing some college recruiting in your head. You're picking out where you think people should go, like, what their vibe is. So that's the time to, like, scope out the next generation of college stars. And it always conflicts with the actual college meets. So yeah. then it's like you don't watch it live. You have to go back and watch oh, it. Oh, we haven't watched the Nastia Cup live in several years. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I take that back in 2022 two I was working so I did watch it live but yes, you always end up missing so I feel like on Sunday there's a higher chance that we'll be able to watch it absolutely so exciting I am here for that so like some complaints about this broadcast setup but like mostly no complaints (laughs) it's accessible and we'll get to watch lots of good gymnastics okay so moving into our regular scheduled programming (laughs) where we talk about NCAA gymnastics we have some takeaways from week six starting with Florida. I feel like Florida looked a lot better this week. Yeah. So they had a season high one nine seven eight five zero, and I feel like the good thing is is that they still have room to improve. Mm-hmm. Like Peyton Richards has only done two floor routines this year. Um, normally she's pretty steady for Florida in not only the floor lineup but vault as well. And of course she can do the other events, but I think that vault and floor would probably be her focus. But we just haven't seen it this season. Yeah um and vault landings is something that we also haven't seen this season from florida and i feel like finally this weekend they got the landings we saw danny ferris the freshman finally stick her one and a half go nine nine five which is totally well deserved i think that when she sticks she's the kind of vault that's gonna go nine nine five plus every single time like yeah. that vault is a nine nine five or a ten every single time raise your hand if you took her out of your vault lineup and <laughs> fantasy gymnastics because it wasn't hitting the way you wanted it to and then of course this happens Everyone raises their hand. We've got two hands up here, at least. And the same goes for Chloe LeCourcier, which we'll get (laughs) to in a couple minutes, I'm sure. But anyways, yeah. So Danny Ferris, 995. Anya Pilgrim, 999 vault. She continues to just be, like, steady Eddie for them. Leanne Juan got a 9925. Skylar Dracer, 9875. I've actually been really, really impressed with her vault. Yeah. She hasn't quite got the solid stick yet, but she's very, very close. And is putting out a very solid leadoff vault for them. Mm -hmm. So... Overall, I was extremely impressed. It was a season-high 49.475 for them on that event. Mm-hmm. Bars was a season-high for them with a nine six. They got a 10 from Leanne. So it started a little bit rough and a little bit rocky with Victoria Wynn having to fall early on. But then after that, the team completely rallied. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellie Lazari put up a 99.25. Anya Pilgrim put up a 99.5. Leanne got a 10, the first 10 for the Gators this season. So it was a stellar Bars rotation. And I feel like Beam and Floor, they still have some kind of weaker spots in their lineup. Not bad, but just, I think, little things that they're going to be looking to improve on as the season goes on. But I feel like right now, Florida is exactly where they need to be. Their scores, we said this last week, and I'll say it again this week because it's still true, their scores have gone up, 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 up every single week. Mm -hmm. And this week, I feel like we saw more of what you would – typically be expecting from them, especially come postseason. I think a lot of people were really quick to write Florida off right after like one or two or three meets of the season. When I feel like they just needed to build a little bit, they have a lot of new faces in their lineup. And it's not that they don't have the potential to be one of the top teams. I think that they just needed to sort some things out in their lineups. Mm -hmm. And I still think they're going to continue to do that. Like, I don't think these are their 100% lineups. I think there's still a possibility that we'll see people coming in and out. Sloan Blakely is somebody who I think has been very Mm -hmm. hit or miss, honestly, her entire career. And I was hoping that this season would be different. And I'm finding so far that she's still kind of, that score that you end up dropping in almost every single meet. And it's tough because she can be a huge score. Yeah. Like, she's totally the kind of athlete that can go out there and give you a 9.95 plus routine. And she does, periodically. But she's been struggling, especially this season, it feels like. She's very hit or miss, um, which Florida is definitely going to want to have ironed out. By the time postseason comes. Yeah, so like I said, I think with Beam and Floor in particular, I see a little bit more sign of weakness. But because they're building every single week and the people that they have in the lineup seem to slowly but surely be building confidence and getting a little bit better, that by the time postseason rolls around, they will most likely, knock on wood if healthy, have that all ironed out and and be a, a top scoring team and contending for nationals yeah danny ferris you mentioned obviously <laughs> coming through a big time with that ball but she's someone else who i feel like could get into some other lineups as well particularly floor. Mm-hmm. um so there is room still for this florida team to grow which is a good sign you just want to start to see it falling into place a little bit more Anya pilgrim i know you mentioned her but i want to give her like a special shout out just because she's continuing to be so steady eddie for the gators um she has gone nine eight two five or higher on every single event all season long so far um and it's honestly actually usually more in like the nine nine plus range i have to say the nine eight two five because she scored that one time oh okay (laughs) like that doesn't even count (laughs) well i mean i mean to be fair like that's the lowest she's gone um but if you look at Rhoda Nationals, you'll see she's very consistently, like, more in, like, the 9-9 range. Yeah. Um, which is really impressive for a freshman. And she's absolutely pulling her weight for this team. And I-, I think it's awesome. She looks so, like, confident and calm and, like, just unfazed by everything. Like, nothing is a big deal to her. She'll nail the crap out of routine, And her face is very just, like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, like, so next. what? <laughs> <laughs> so I love that for her. And, like you said, as a freshman... It's very, very difficult to find a freshman that's going to be able to come in, do the all-around, consistently score above 9-9, and do it every single week with confidence. Mm -hmm. It is very hard to find a freshman who is able to bring that to your team right out the gate. Yeah. The impact that she has had has been huge already. Freshman of the year, in my opinion. (laughs) You know, I honestly, I would say so as well. Lily Smith, my rival. She hasn't been as consistent. No, I don't think she's. No, I think. Any- right. Anya Pilgrim is the freshman of the year, in my opinion. Nobody is consistently doing it as well as she is. That's fair. And Florida needed her to step in with the loss of Trinity and Kayla, and she is doing exactly what they need her to do. True. Period. <laughs> she has nothing to say to that. <laughs> How about UCLA? They I, looked good. Yeah, I think actually despite not having Shay Campbell, or Naya Reed, they looked pretty good. I cannot lie, when I saw their lineups – posted on social media, I was like, oh, no, here we go. Well, because they needed a road score. Yeah, they did. Because NQS kicks in after next week, I believe. Mm -hmm. And UCLA is one of those teams that they're kind of high in the rankings right now because they've had some higher scoring home meets. But when you look at their road scores, they don't score as well on the road as they do at home. And there's several teams that that applies to. But that means that when NQS kicks in, if they don't start scoring higher on the road, they are going to drop in the rankings while other teams are going to rise in the rankings. Mm So, they're at risk of that happening to them. I think we were all quaking in our boots a little bit <laughs> when we saw it. No, Shea, which, by the way, sounds like it's just a precautionary thing. Thank goodness. Yeah. But, you know, they posted a 197.425, which really is not bad at all for a road score without two of your stars. Yeah. They had a season high 49.45 on bars. Bars has been a weaker event for them this season. And I think that was important to see, knowing that Emma is going to be gone for believe the next 2 weeks because mm-hmm. she's going to be going to the World Cups. I'm still nervous though because they've been trying out Alex Irvine. She's done two bar routines this season and she's fallen both times that they've put her in the lineup. You have Emily Lee, who has been in the lineup before but does not score very high. Yeah, so she did one bar routine this season at the Sprouts Collegiate Classic or whatever it is. Um, and she got a 9.675. And then last year, she was in and out of the lineup, mostly not in the lineup but did have a career high of nine, eight, seven, five, but otherwise was kind of more consistently in that like nine, seven, seven, five to nine, eight range. Right. So you're looking at taking out MML, who is a consistent for the most part, nine, nine type of score for UCLA. And you're replacing it with somebody who does not have the highest scoring potential and that's not factoring in who else you have in the lineups. You mentioned Alex Irvine not being the most consistent so far. It leaves very little room, if any, room for error on any of the parts of people like Marzetta Frazier, Selena Harris, people who are in the lineup every week and usually put up big scores, but sometimes people are off. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like that bar lineup is not going to have really any room for error two weeks in a row. And you could say the same about Beam because Beam was also – shaky event for them it was it was fine they got through it but they ideally especially if they want to start getting higher road scores for their NQS they're gonna need to start getting higher scores on bars and beam both of which are shaky events and both of which they rely pretty heavily on MML Buyo to pull through for. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting to see. So they they did it. They did it here, but I still think they're going to need to continue to do it. And they're going to need to be even better, I would say, going forward. I agree. Selena Harris got to mention. She had herself a day. She got a 10 on vault. And 995 on bars that I actually felt could have gone 10 with some of the 10s that we've seen this season. Yeah, for sure. I think that normally like amplitude is something that she could improve, but that's one of those deductions that like, do you take or do you not take? Like, it's not that bad. Like, it's not like she's getting no height on the double layout dismount. Um, So therefore, I think depending on the judge, like they could go 10 for that routine. Yeah. 995 is not like 995 is fair. I just think when I was watching it, I was like, oh, like that was great. Yeah. Handstands. Great dismount great Mm -hmm. to me it was a 10 um beam she got a 995 amazing routine and then floor she got a 985 i need her to stop trying to stick two feet her process she needs to stop but she does it sometimes and it's so good But her chest is always a little bit down and she gets nailed for it every single time she needs to stop trying to do that it's okay to take a step, selena <laughs> we give you permission to take a step you the judges are giving you this permission. is a safe space for you to take a step it is and it's fine and your routine is still gonna be great actually i think it would score higher more consistently so that's my only complaint about selena at the moment because <laughs> she'll do an amazing routine and then her last pass she'll have her chest down because she's like trying to go for the two feet stick and yeah. she doesn't need to just take the step back <laughs> it'll be fine how about the judges and the love that they give to lsu yeah. So this is kind of like the hot topic on the gym tournament this week. LSU, they scored a 197.625 in their win over Georgia, who also had a, a pretty good meet, actually, I would say. Yeah. But LSU, I feel like they kind of had a mid meet, in I my opinion. I feel like it was maybe closer to being like a lower 197 performance. It was. I think you can count on one hand the number of stuck landings they had throughout the entire competition. Um, every single floor routine, with the exception of Kaya Johnson in the anchor spot, had one under-rotated pass. Or two. Some of them had two. Or two. Um, most of the beam routines had a noticeable wobble in them. And like I said, throughout the competition, I genuinely think that you could count on one hand the number of stuck dismounts we saw. Yeah, well, on bars, they only had one. Alexis Jeffrey stuck her dismount, um, and got a 9.875. Vault, I think they had one. KJ Johnson, which I think technically she actually did have a tiny movement, but that's being nitpicky. She got a 9.875, but I, I think you could argue that was maybe, like, a tad low just because she's so perfect in the air. I think that vault was low, personally, yeah. but in terms of, like, sticks that we saw, nobody else in the vault lineup stock, no. including Haley, who got a 9.95- yeah, she under rotated and hopped forward. Um, and then you mentioned floor, like a lot of under rotated passes, but yet managing to score as if they were like nailing routines. KJ got a nine nine. Aliyah got nine nine two five. Haley got nine nine five. And then Kaya, Kaya had a pretty good routine. She scored nine nine two five. So the scores just don't really match what you're seeing around the country, or what you, what you should be seeing if judges were actually taking deductions. And I'm just gonna be completely honest. Because this is my podcast and I can say whatever I want on my podcast. And I believe that I can do so in a way that's not like harping on anybody or being unnecessarily unfair. In and my- maybe we should preface this by saying, and I feel like it goes without saying, but we're just going to say it anyways. This is not directed at any teams in particular or any athletes in particular. It's about the judges. The frustration is, is targeted at the judges, not the athletes and not the schools. No, like I... Have actually, in the years past, I have not been the biggest LSU fan, but in recent years, like last year and this year, I've actually gotten on the LSU bandwagon. Like, I am rooting for LSU. So, this is not coming from a place of like saying that they don't deserve the things that they have or that they're not a good team. I, I think that they're one of the best teams in the country. I really, really, really do. Um, But I also think that they are consistently one of the most overscored teams. I'm not saying that they are the most overscored team. I'm saying that they are absolutely one of the most overscored teams. And I'm also not saying that other teams around the country don't benefit from overscoring. In my opinion, every single top 10, you can even maybe say top 15 if you really want to get down to it, but more so top 10 team has had overscoring at various points this season. Whether that was individual routines or just like meets in general, where you look back and you're like, yeah, there was, this meet should have been several tenths lower. So I want to put that out there that this is not just 100% directed at them. But I do find that a lot of the time they are one of the teams that is the biggest culprit of it, the judges for that team. And it happens at home. It happens away. Um, where I feel like their performance was actually several tenths lower than what they actually saw. Like, for example, last week they went over one nine eight. And it was a great meet for them. But in my opinion, it was still probably like four or five tenths too high. And that's you could probably actually go more than that. I had mm-hmm. that at a high one nine seven. This meet, they're like a, a one-nine seven six two five, that was a low one nine seven performance. And so this becomes an issue when consistently you see a team scoring several tenths higher every week than they are actually performing. And then you have teams that are usually it tends to be Big Ten teams, in my opinion. And yes, I know I have some bias, but I'm not the only person that is having this criticism and people who are not necessarily having a um a bias towards one particular team or conference are also echoing the same sentiment so I, I don't think that it's fair to just chalk me saying this up to bias i think this is an actual issue that needs to be addressed and it's been needing to be addressed for a very long time because you're seeing several big 10 routines across several different big 10 schools that are actually pretty on par with what we're seeing around the country from bama lsu florida but they are scoring several tenths lower. tenths mm-hmm. um, As individual athletes, they're scoring a half-tenth or a tenth, in some cases, lower. Um, And that, in the end, makes the total team score two to three, sometimes four-tenths lower than what the SEC teams around the country are scoring. Mm -hmm. And it is a problem. It absolutely is because it impacts rankings, which impacts regional seeding. The problem that I have is just the fact that there are deductions that are standard deductions that you take regardless of who's competing, what school they're from. Like, there are deductions that you have to take, and I just don't understand why the judges aren't taking it. Mm-hmm. Like, you're telling me that with Haley Bryant's 10 on Beam this weekend that neither judge saw the lien? On the front talk. When it seems so obvious to every person watching. How are the the judges not seeing that? Like, you would watch that routine and be like, maybe you're willing her to get a 10. But then the second she does that, you'd be like, ah, like, not going to happen this time. But then it actually did happen. And it just doesn't make sense. And you know it's bad when LSU posted the video and they cut out the front talk. Yeah, and they're doing that probably just to protect Haley. Which totally, I'm I not- I get it. Like, it's not Haley's fault. This, the overscoring that she has received is not her fault. But it's she's just an amazing funny. athlete. But that also doesn't mean that as fans we shouldn't be discussing this. Yeah. you know what I mean. And it's you know it's bad though. Like you know that it wasn't a ten. If you even feel like you have to like protect your athlete, because people are gonna go crazy if you include this in the video. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that how you know it wasn't truly a ten? Yeah. Haley, of course, went on to have a gym slam because of this, and I'm not mad about the gym slam just because Haley has done beam routines in the past that you could argue are worthy of a 10. So, like, with the accomplishment itself, I'm, like, go off queen. And she's the first LSU gymnast in history to actually get a gym slam, which is iconic. And the 14th gymnast in NCAA history to ever score a 10 in all four events. So, like, I'm not mad at the accomplishment. She is so deserving of that. Like, absolutely. I am more just upset or frustrated with the general implications that this has for particularly the teams that are on the brink of being a second seed, being a third seed, one meet that was egregiously overscored or underscored. You drop it in the NQS and it's like, whatever, like eye roll, annoying, but whatever. But when it starts to become a pattern where you're seeing several teams consistently (laughs) being overscored by several tenths and teams that are putting up for the most part similar performances are five tenths lower than those teams hey guys this is Brittany here in editing i was listening to this back and i just now said five tenths i think what i was actually trying to say was like two tenths or honestly anywhere from like two to four tenths not necessarily five tenths i feel like five tenths is not accurate to say (laughs) and i wanted to clear that up it creates this illusion that there's more separation than there actually is um, and I think that's the frustration that a lot of people are having right now and, and that we've been having. Like, this is not riveting. This is not new. It's the same frustration. I think maybe it takes the fun out of NCAA of like Gymnastics. No, oh, it does. It makes it feel like it's just everything's pointless. It does. Like, what does the, regu- the regular season doesn't matter. We've said that before. Um, But also, like, it doesn't really matter what you do either. Because no, you could go, you go out can... there and actually have your gymnastics, what you're putting out on the competition floor improving every single week and your scores just like stay the same for the most right, part. like you, your scores aren't actually improving and you can have one athlete absolutely drill her routine and go nine nine or nine eight seven five and then you can have somebody have a major wobble and go nine nine as well or <laughs> nine nine five or nine nine seven five it's just things that are like actually impossible and i know there was people that were you know, responding to Brittany's tweet about, you know, scoring and, you know, saying that, like, it's not fair to compare meets that have two different judges. Well, disclaimer, we have a thread on the podcast uh, X account where I'm comparing across the country routines on the same event and trying to keep it as much the same as possible. Like, I don't want to do a, a, a 995 start value ball compared to a ten oh start value. I'm trying to keep it mm-hmm. roughly the same, but comparing what routines are scoring – um across the country to show that deductions are not consistently being taken and it doesn't really matter to me what conference it doesn't matter what judges were judging these routines it doesn't even really matter to me if like one is Yurchenko one and a half and the other is i You know, a half on front pike off Mm -hmm. like it's the fact that the, the judges should still be taking the same type of deductions regardless. Like it's the same deduction for a hop or a step or under rotation, under rotation or whatever, a lack of amplitude like those deductions are the same regardless of what conference you're from, what team you're from, even what vault you're doing. Like, the right. deduction is still the same. So to sit there and say, that, like, oh, well, it's, like, different judges, so, like, the, you can't make the comparison. Well, yeah, yeah, you can. You should be able to, and that's the issue. If we can't make the comparison across the country, then that's the issue because we're ranking people across the country based off of what they did with different judges. And also your fate, then, becomes 100% in the hands of... Judges and getting lucky enough to have certain judges. Yes. Which it shouldn't be that right. way. Right. It's like, oh, like we're competing in the SEC this week, so we'll score well. Like it shouldn't be that way. You right. should be like, able to come to the Big Ten or be in the MAC and be in the ACC and get scored how you deserve to be scored. And another thing that I want to say, because I, again, I, I think a lot of people know that we are Big Ten fans. Um, we root for a lot of the Big Ten teams. I think that the way the Big Ten is scored is actually accurate. <laughs> like I'm not trying to say that Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Maryland, anybody, Minnesota are underscored consistently. Do I think certain routines are underscored? Yes. But in general, those teams are being scored accurately. Yeah, the, for the issue most part. is that there's deductions being taken for those teams that are not consistently being taken for the other teams around the country and that's creating this like illusion that there's this massive distance between a lot of these teams. Um, When I think there's distance between these teams, but is it as big as the rankings would indicate? I don't think so. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like LSU, the past two weeks, you probably take off five tenths from both of those performances in those two weeks alone. Right. And And it would would close the gap. It would. With NQS kicking in as well. Or if you took like the same scoring that you got from some of these SEC meets and you apply it to a Big Ten matchup, those teams could suddenly, like, if you consistently had those judges scoring, you would see those teams in the middle of the rankings. Judges in the MAC, in the ACC, and the Big Ten, honestly, in the Big 12 as well, for the most part, um, they are taking for every deduction they should be taking. If you under-rotate a vault and you step back, you're getting deducted for the step and the under-rotation. If you have a Tokachev with a little bit of flexed feet and a tiny bit of bent knees, you're getting deducted for it. Well, and, like, the proof is in the pudding with Audrey Davis on bars. The fact that that girl has still not gotten a 10 on bars, despite having, like, perfect technique and being very consistent with her routine. Like, she nails it every single time. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she has not gotten a 10 on bars, do you want to know why? It's because the deduction's on the dismount. It's the flexed feet. It's the stagger, usually, that she has on the landing. Which, again, like I just said a minute ago, valid. Could you argue that that should never go 10? Yeah, you should. But is she being scored, quote unquote, accurately? Yeah, she is. But it's not accurate with what's happening around the country. And that's my problem. Because you know. I want somebody to look me dead in the eyes and tell me that Audrey Davis, if she was on an SEC team or one of those top Pac-12 teams, that she wouldn't already have numerous 10s on bars. She absolutely would have multiple 10s on bars. 100%. And, like, that's something that, like, I'm not even willing to argue because that's how confident that I am that it would happen. hmm Um, So, yes, I I think that we have a problem with college judging. This is, again, nothing new. We've had these conversations many times. And unfortunately, I think we're going to have to continue having these conversations. But I also want to say, because of another tweet that I saw, (laughs) gymnastics fans are allowed to talk about these things and have these conversations. I don't think that we should be telling people and yes because I saw this that them rage tweeting on Twitter or going off on a Reddit thread <laughs> that them doing that isn't gonna like it's not productive that it's not gonna solve anything um well I'm not trying to solve the world's that, problem that's what I'm saying like I don't think anyone thinks that they're tr- they're solving anything by no I'm just... I think we're we're <laughs> venting and we're expressing frustration as fans And I feel like that's normal and to be expected. Like, I don't – I'm not vibing with certain groups of people policing the things that people say. Let people be upset. Let people be annoyed because it is annoying, you know? Right. (laughs) Like, (laughs) this is sports. You know what I mean? Like, this is what happens. Fans have opinions. Fans are passionate. It's all normal and it's all fine for the moment. Maybe it's not fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, like is, is, it, is it is it fine? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's that's the rant. Let's move on to something positive. Okay. I want to talk about Talladega <gasps> yes. having their first win ever, which also makes them the first ever HBCU gymnastics team to have a win. Queens, they did so getting a one nine two two, and they beat Centenary. But also Alaska, which is a D1 school. Queens. per Iconic. <laughs> Iconic behavior. And also Kirsten Johnson, former podcast guest, won the all-around. She won vault. She has a one and a half on vault, which is huge. She won bars. She has the biggest Tkachia release that I think I've ever seen in the NCAA. Um, and she got third on floor. So she had herself a day. And also that team score is a new program record for Talladega and beats their previous best by just over two points. So Talladega, the Tornadoes are making some moves. Okay, we're going to wrap it up with this, I think. So on, I forget which one she was commentating, but Bridget Sloan gave her like top eight predictions. I guess you could say the halfway point of the season. And we want to discuss it and then also kind of start to discuss like what, we're thinking in right now as far as like who's going to nationals who's on the brink yeah i think it's hard to say a top eight because truly it just comes down to regional seating and it's not possible sometimes for all of these teams that are in the top 15 mm-hmm. to like advance onto nationals oh, it's no, like totally. it's, it's not gonna happen like it, depending on where they rank it's not going to happen For all of these teams. So I think it's hard to, at the halfway point, be like, these are the top eight teams that I think are going to make nationals. No, it actually is impossible. Um, But here's what Bridget had. So she had Oklahoma, Michigan State. Taste. Bama, (laughs) Cal, UCLA, Florida, LSU, and Kentucky. And obviously that's in no particular order. Yeah. I actually agree with her predictions a lot. It's a, a solid prediction. I think it was bold to not have Utah in there. Yeah. And I think that people are allowed to have their opinions and their preferences and all the things, like, totally valid. But I think at this point in time, Utah has proven to consistently be a top five team this season. Oh, and Utah hasn't missed the NCAA championships and like... I I don't remember the number. It comes up every year at this at that point in the season. It's been a long ass time. They've been like at every single national championships. And that's not to say that they're guaranteed to be at this one. You know what I mean? Like but of they, course don't re- they don't anything. They don't really wrong. show signs of like too much struggle. At this point in time, there's more teams that are giving are you gonna make nationals? And I don't think Utah falls into that category, in my opinion. No, I agree. Also, okay. I just realized that in what we're about to do, I forgot to include Utah. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> yeah, but it's fine. I can do it on the whim. Okay. So, let's talk kind of what we're thinking. So, we've broken this down into categories. We have going no doubt. We have teams that should be there. Obviously, this is barring catastrophe for any of these teams. Which catastrophe does happen. Yeah. Catastrophe happens for one team every single year. So, just remember that. <laughs> yes. Um, and then teams that are on the brink. So, teams that are going no doubt barring catastrophe, I think you got to say Oklahoma – yeah, and I think going off of that whole, like, big spiel that I just had about scoring, I have to give it to Oklahoma. They are consistently scoring over 198 or very close to it. They are not benefiting from the same level of consistent overscoring as a lot of the other teams around the country. They're just, like, straight up earning it with their performances. Yep, and someone needs to go out, like Danny Seavers. They have somebody in their arsenal, multiple people usually in their arsenal. that just go up and do another 9-9 routine for them, and you almost can't be mad about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you you can think that it's boring for the same team to win all the time. But it, I am one of those people. I think it's boring, and I don't think it's good for the sport to have the same team win all the time. But honestly, at this point, I think it's just people hating them because they ain't them. It is. Like, you cannot be mad about the gymnastics that you're seeing, the quality of the gymnastics, the consistency of the gymnastics, the way that they turn it on when they do make mistakes and there's pressure on them. Nobody is competing like Oklahoma is competing. Mm-hmm. And that's cool to see. That's good for them. It must be great to be an OU fan. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> to to have your team just be dominating and not letting up. And like it might make nationals a little bit boring in the sense that Oklahoma is probably going to win. Like something bad would have to happen for them to not win. Well, they'd certainly have to have an uncharacteristic performance. And that can always happen. But do I think that's gonna happen? No, it's highly unlikely. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're they're there in my opinion, no matter what, and I think they're winning for the most part. I would say almost no matter what. Like I would be shocked. Mm-hmm. Cal, I think, is also right there. Um, they've looked undeniable this whole season, and I think are you know they went from being I think for a lot of people kind of on the brink of being a team that could make it to nationals to really looking like they're for sure gonna do it barring anything crazy. Yeah. I think they are going to make nationals, and I think their chances of making the final four at this point in time is looking very, very strong. Um, they don't seem to be letting up, really, And we're only at the halfway point of season, and I still think there's a lot that needs to happen. We should also note that we're recording this on Sunday before Cal competes. So look like, if they go out today and get like a one nine two or something. don't please
1: don't manifest (laughs) that no we're (laughs) not responsible for that
0: valid though we are recording this before Denver and Cal compete today so we aren't aware of whatever happens on Sunday in that (laughs) competition but anyways um with what we've seen so far um I think they've solidified themselves consistently as the second best team this season I think that gone are the days where Cal is fighting to make nationals I think Cal is expected to be at nationals and I think that Cal at this point in time, it's expected to be in the Final Four. They are unequivocally the second best team in the country. Mm-hmm. And I think they have a small roster. And I think that they use a lot of the same people in the same way that Michigan the past three years has used their like, top people. So I, I see Kale kind of following that trend of like riding the same people. But I think at this point in time, as long as people stay healthy, um, I don't see why they won't be a top team. Mm-hmm. Other teams that I think should be there. Um... Oh, well, I actually have one more that I have. Oh, go no, ahead. No doubt there. I have Kentucky. Interesting. I think despite having Caden like go down with an ACL, Bailey Bunn is currently in a boot, with, I think, with a sprained ankle, I read, which is not necessarily out for the season-type injury. But um, they're another team that I think has been pretty undeniable and um, is continuing to hang in the top five all season long halfway through their routines are finally getting scored at the same level as the other quote-unquote top SEC teams. Um, so I feel like their level of respect has gone up from gymnastics fans, but also the judges, if that makes sense. And I just think that that will bode well for them in postseason. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I absolutely see Kentucky being in the picture. I don't know if at this point in time I want to like confidently say that they're for sure going to be there. I think that they've been – more consistent this season than they have not been. They had an off week this past week scoring a one nine seven three five. They had a little bit of a balancing situation. But I feel like every team is allowed to have that one meet where they're off. Mm-hmm. Like every team does have that meet where they're off. And so Kentucky just picked this week to have that be their week. And a one nine seven three five is actually not that bad for an off meet. Mm-hmm. Um and outside of that, they've scored mid to high 197s all season long. So I think they're right up there with the best teams in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, LSU, Florida, Utah, I mean, they have to be on the list. They're always in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think with the gymnastics they're doing right now, even if it's not there 100%, I think it's still enough to have the faith and the confidence that – you know, they're going to put themselves in a position to make it to Nationals. Yeah, I think if healthy, and like you said, kind of barring anything ca- catastrophic, I think that Florida, LSU, and Utah will be there. Yeah, And then there's and Florida. Those... Also, we should mention Florida's hosting, which oh, yeah. I think does also bode well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's those teams that are on the brink. So Bama, Bama originally was a team that I had in my Final Four prediction, and I don't remember if we ever like made our predictions public or not. Um, or if it was just something that we had discussed privately, honestly, I don't remember anymore. Um, I had a lot of faith in Bama and it's not that I don't have faith anymore, but they just haven't quite done what I thought they were capable of. And that's not to say that it can't happen, but I think they have a lot of talent and a lot of potential, but it's just not materializing at this point in the season. Maybe like I thought it already would have been. Yeah, I think I said this last week about Bama, and so far this week, I'm still feeling the same way. They are very 50-50 to me. I think that they, in almost every lineup, have somebody go out there and do, well, half their lineup, go out there and do, like, 9-9 plus routines. It's usually Luisa Blanco, and there's usually two other people in every lineup that are like, okay, like, good. I think that the other three people in all of their lineups are too inconsistent, unsure, Um, Not scoring as high for whatever reason, you know, whatever the reason might be in that particular meet. I think that it's making it so they're having to count some lower scores. And in the end, that could prevent them from topping a team that is consistently scoring like mid to high 197. Yeah, there were some people for sure that I thought were going to be like pretty much guaranteed nine nines on various different events. That aren't doing that Mm -hmm. quite yet. Chloe LaCourcier, we got to give it to her. She finally stuck her vault and she got a 995. It was beautiful. And that's the thing. Like, her technique is so good that, like, when she sticks it or when she hits her routines, like, it's going to get a good score. It's just the consistency. We took her out of, like, all of our fantasy lineups because she hasn't been consistently scoring well. She hasn't gone above 99 all season on that event. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we take her out and she goes 995. We knew that was going to happen, though. Oh, yeah. That was just like, I knew. it needed to happen. Like, we needed to take her out. And then, if we keep her out, she'll keep going 995. I believe it. Bama in general, this past week, they got 49.45 on Vault. So, Louisa also stuck her Vault and got a 995. They had some really nice folds from Gabby Gladio, Jameson Sears, Macari Doggett. So, Vault, I feel like we saw an improvement on. Um, but then if you look at this past week, what they did—they're still kind of average everywhere else. They're doing forty-nine one seven five on bars, forty-nine zero seven five on beam, and forty-nine three five on floor. So they're gonna need to start like picking it up like now. Uh-huh. Um, I think if they really want to make themselves like more of a solid when it comes to who's in contention, I think they're kind of on the brink. UCLA—we already talked about it a little bit. Definitely a team that is in strong contention, but also kind of on the brink at the same time. And I think a lot of that is going to depend on bars and what they can pull together in that rotation. Um, And then just being able to turn it on, I think, when the time comes and when it counts. I feel the same way about UCLA that I kind of feel about a team like Michigan this season. And we'll talk about Michigan in a second. Where they're like really strong on floor, like floor is like forty nine five worthy every time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But floor feels like it's the event that's pulling everything else up. And like in postseason, that's not gonna cut it. Like you can win a regular season meet doing that, but you are not gonna get away with performing like that in postseason if you're trying to make it to nationals and/or the final four. Oh, totally. So that's kind of where I'm at with UCLA. I'm seeing like spurts of greatness, but they need to like put it all together in one meet. Mm-hmm. Denver, I think despite losing Lindsey Brown, has not actually had too much of a drop-off. They look pretty good, so I think that they're still going to be in the mix this year. They still got a lot of stars with Jessica Hutchinson and Rosie Casali and Madison Ulrich. I think it's Ulrich. Maybe it is Ulrich. To be fair, all their meets are behind paywall, so I haven't really been able to like watch them much this season. I've seen individual routines of people, but... Denver comes to Michigan, so I'm very excited to see them in person. Yes, we'll actually be commentating that one. So yeah, very excited. But Denver, they went one nine eight at home last week, but that was kind of more an outlier in my opinion because on average they've been scoring high one nine six to to low very low one nine seven, mm-hmm. and then they have a one a random one nine eight in there. So again, I, it's you know are they capable of going one nine eight? Yeah, but I'd like to see a team go one nine eight on the road before I actually feel like it's real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then. There's Michigan. So I think the fate of Michigan is going to hinge on the status of the injured. And that is not a very good place to be if you're Michigan or a Michigan fan, a.k.a. us. (laughs) Um, Naomi is key to their success on fall. On bars, she did great this week. She got a nine nine. She got a nine nine, I think, on both ball and bars. Mm-hmm. And then in floor warm up, you know, floor is her best event. Floor is the event where she's pretty consistently like a nine nine two five. Like she's like the nine nine two five girlie usually. Yeah. Um, sometimes higher, sometimes lower, but um, she's very consistent and she's a high scoring option for Michigan. She was warming up floor this past weekend and it was very weird because she didn't under rotate. She didn't fall. Um, nothing happened like that she was doing a double talk she bounded backwards and then like looked down at her ankle and then limped off to the side Um, and was definitely heavily heavily favoring one of her um, feet I don't remember off the top of my head what foot it was um, it was her right I think so it was weird because she didn't under rotate which usually is what happens when you see someone go down on floor with an injury it's because they like crunch their ankles she didn't really do that she kind of landed normal looking and she didn't fall. Like she just, like I said, she, she was standing the entire time and she walked off on her own. Like she didn't have to be carried. Well, but then when she, when they rotated, she was kind of being carried by Scott Sherman. But and that's because I think she had this massive like ice chunk on her leg and her leg was elevated during floor. Yeah. Um, I'm just noting that like, she wasn't walking freely. Like, I don't want to even paint the picture that she was walking freely because she wasn't like, yeah, yeah she didn't immediately fall down. And, like, was immediately having to be, like, carried off the floor. Um, But she also, we did not see her standing on her own feet after that injury. And she seemed to be in good spirits. So, I don't know. Take from that what you will. But either way, um, a concern for Michigan, because that's a high-scoring person. Not only do they not have somebody who can immediately step up and get the scores that she was getting. But I also am not entirely confident they have anybody that can go up. period yeah those three i know it's a common discussion point with the internet about michigan and their lineups and not using underclassmen but and we've said this before but i think people just don't realize that like michigan doesn't have options and like obviously we're not gonna like share details of people's injuries that are not public or that we've not given permission to share but like what you're seeing with michigan is kind of what they've got And that's been the case for the past several seasons. They have had 90%, I would say, maybe even higher, (laughs) of the last two classes that have come in and been chronically injured. Yeah. They essentially have not had healthy underclassmen the past two seasons. Um, And now we're seeing the impacts of that because the only people that they have had and that so far this season they're really continuing to have are the upperclassmen who have been healthy um not only healthy but they're the ones that score high and anyways they're, are so. also the most consistent but like the people that i think michigan was hoping they would have at this point like the, michigan knew that they were going to lose natalie white and abbey high school and, and nico kulos they knew that this was going to happen and so it's an issue of i think one recruiting not necessarily being for that particular class where it needed to be to replace those level of athletes the next two classes they have coming in are actually two of the top classes so recruiting in general I would say has been good but the class that came in this year they have two walk-ons and they have someone that was a three a three star and with Halen Zabrowski who has potential but you know you're looking at replacing two of the greatest Michigan gymnasts of all time um with people who are you know probably not likely to make a lineup initially yeah You know, the people that they were probably hoping would step up and be in lineups at this point in their careers would be Paige Thaxton, who has barely been able to do gymnastics because of injury. And every time that she finally is able to train enough, so she's at a point where she can potentially make a lineup, she gets injured again. As we Mm -hmm. saw at the beginning of the season, she was finally in the vault lineup. And then I think after the first week, maybe the second week, in a boot. Kaylin Morgan has so much potential, but has dealt with A lot of injuries. First, it was her shoulder. Now it's an injury that we are not going to say because I don't have permission to say it. But we're going to go into the gym next week and see if we can get permission to put it out there just because of, like, transparency purposes, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like usually Bev is pretty, like, she's okay with us, like, putting that information out there. I just want to get permission before I just assume that it's okay. Um, I think it's a – I will say this. I think it's a possibility that we could see her back um, in the postseason if they needed On bars. On bars if they needed her to. Um, and who knows? You know what I mean? Like maybe if she progresses at a point, I think there's, I think I think they potentially still can have her as an option. I will say that. um And then Farai also, I think from her preseason training and also from what she was recruited to do, she's beautiful on beam, and I think her bars also could be a higher scoring bar routine for them. I think they were hoping that at this point she would be able to be in. She did exhibition this past week. She fell, but I, I, I'm not too worried about that. I think she'll. She'll get it together. Um, but she was in a boot a couple weeks ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's one of those things that, like, I think. Yeah, an injury right before between, season started. Between those three alone, those are the people that I think were supposed to be, last year, being depth options to prepare for this year where they could be in the lineups contributing. And it's just been, like, injury, 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 injury for all of them. Um, Lily is out for the season with an ACL. Um, Ashley Lane and Abigail Vides retired early because of injuries. I know that's a question that I think we had mm-hmm. um, from, in our like anonymous question of the, day. Question of the week um, submission. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it can be hard <laughs> and frustrating, I think. Um, I think the biggest concern right now is just Naomi being healthy for Michigan. I think that's critical, mm-hmm. like you said, um, because at this point in time, I don't know that Michigan has they most definitely do not have score wise the ability to replace Naomi. No. And at some events they might not have the ability to replace her at all, period. I'm mostly concerned about uh, vault Yeah. At this point. In at time. this time, I don't think that there's actually a body that can go. Meaning that Michigan would be potentially facing like a five up five count situation. And we don't know that for sure because we haven't been in the gym since before season started. Um, Carly was training one and a half um, and also doing fulls on a comp surface. JC's one and a half on vault was coming along last we knew very well. Right, and that's true. I just don't know if like we're talking like this injury happened now. like And potentially needed somebody for next week, right? Yes, that will be interesting to see what they do. I think they have people that in postseason or closer to postseason they were intending to have ready. So are they ready a couple weeks early? Time will tell. I think the situation for Michigan just got a lot more grim than it was initially looking for them. You know, at the start of the season, mm-hmm. um, they're really relying on those key people to be healthy throughout the season. Now it leaves no room for nobody else to have a chance to rest or... Well, not even rest, but just being like you had to be on. Michigan needs the people that score big to be on... Every single meet, every single event. And that's unrealistic. That is a lot of pressure to put on those athletes to constantly be nine-nine machines consistently every week. So people are going to have to step up and people are going to have to stay healthy. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I still think that they could be – if Naomi's healthy – if Naomi ends up being fine for postseason, I will say, and everybody else stays healthy and they can maybe squeeze out, a, you know, a Farah Lipids beam routine or a Kalen Morgan bar routine, if they can maybe get in a couple like potential higher scoring routines in, I still think that with Michigan hosting a regional this year, that's an advantage for them we know that scoring sometimes goes in favor of the home team we saw it last year with denver at regionals honestly it it happened at michigan's expense um it happens we sometimes see a a lower ranked team advance on so i think that the scoring could be more in their favor that's a reality i also think the energy of the crowd will be more in their favor I think to really be in contention, though, they're going to need everybody to be healthy. So I really think at this point in time, it hinges on the status of a couple people. And like Mm -hmm. I said, that's not a very comfortable place to be in if you're Michigan. Mm -hmm. Michigan State, of course, is another team that's on the brink. They've been looking phenomenal this season. Obviously, a week ago, they beat Michigan. And so far, every time they faced Michigan this season, they have beat them. And last season in the regular season as well. And we knew that this was going to happen. That was a prediction that we had that, again, I don't remember if like we actually talked about our predictions publicly. But, you know, I knew that Michigan State was going to be on fire this season and had a really good shot at making nationals. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're, so far, they're living up to it. Yeah, and they don't seem to be letting off the gas. They do seem to get... For the most part, better every week. I still think there's areas they can improve. I still think they need to do more stuck vault landings if they really want to contend with the top teams. They're at a point right now where they have Sage Kellerman, who's the number one vaulter in the country, by the way, <laughs> um, Love that. who sticks her vault. And then you have like everybody else that's like 50-50. Like, sometimes they stick, and sometimes they don't. So I do think that there's areas like that, bar dismounts. I feel like they haven't been sticking. They've been pretty consistently good on beam and floor, I'll say. Yes, but similar to what I said about Bama and honestly, all of these teams, at UCLA, it, this is why they're on the brink teams. It's because all of these teams have like two events that are like, okay, good. And then they have two events where you're a little bit more like, oh, like they can open the door there. Yeah. Or like this needs to like level up a tiny bit. Yes. So I think MSU is right in that category as well. I think that out of all of these teams so far that we've mentioned, they actually stand a better chance health-wise and also just depth-wise what they have on their team. I think that what we're seeing so far is that they are maybe having a better chance out of all of these teams. And really it's because they have the depth. Michigan State is just a matter of the consistency, Mm -hmm. like getting confident and getting consistent. But they have so many people ready, waiting in the Mm wings that could go in if need be. And that's something that, not all these other teams have. UCLA doesn't. I don't think Bama does at the same level. Michigan Michigan certainly doesn't. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting postseason. I also have Mizzou and Auburn in the mix as well. I think they are less in the mix Mm -hmm. um, than UCLA, Michigan State, Denver, possibly Michigan. But like still good enough to where they weren't being considered. Arkansas as well, which we'll get into in a second because that's our question of the day or question of the week. (laughs) I think that, like, their chances aren't as great as some of these other teams that we've mentioned, but they can turn it on. And as long as they stay healthy and they do turn it on at regionals, like, I wouldn't be, like, totally thrown off by a team like this upsetting they are not the kind of team that is supposed to quote-unquote be a nationals mizzou is not supposed to be there auburn is not supposed to be there you could argue that all these teams in this category are not supposed to be there quote-unquote but like i said well some of them are gonna have to be (laughs) well right i right now i have two or three yeah two your list would have two my list would have three of these teams would make it and like i said a couple minutes ago Or at some point in this podcast. (laughs) We've been recording for a half hour. I don't remember when I said it, okay? Um, You said we've been recording for a half hour, honey. We've been recording for an hour and a half. Hour and a half. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. (laughs) At the past several regional championships, at least the last two that I could think of. But there's there's evidence to prove it goes further back than that. And it doesn't always happen like this. But more often than not, it's fair to say that you see a top team get upset. Last year, Michigan was a top seed. They got upset by a third seed. The year prior, LSU was a second seed. They got upset by a third team, Mizzou. So you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like some of these teams that are ranked, quote unquote, on the brink by us have a history of upsetting on that day if they need to. Yeah, Regionals is going to be a bloodbath. I do know that. And no, if you're wondering, I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm going to be stressed. Regionals is always my least favorite meet of the year. I love conference championships. I love nationals. I hate the regular season, and I hate regionals. <laughs> Everything so else is She canceled. hates majority events of double H gymnastics. I'm joking. I'm joking. I think I'm in a bad mood this week um, because of scoring. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> okay, so we'll wrap this up with our question of the week, which I kind of already teased, but someone asked – Arkansas is exceeding everyone's expectations. What do you think made the difference? Is it coaches changing culture, freshmen? Very excited to continue to watch them thrive this season and really hope to see them at Nationals. I think it's a combination of things, mm-hmm. to be completely honest with you. I think their recruiting has been phenomenal. And I do think that that is mostly because of the coaching change, like having a Jordan Weber, Kyla Ross, Chris Brooks. Um, there's one other person on there. Oh, what Kyla Bryant. Yeah. They have a stellar – Coaching staff that honestly I would want to be coached by if I was an athlete of that caliber. And we hear that from the athletes. Like a lot of them are drawn to that coaching staff. Oh, yeah. Almost every recruit in recent years for Arkansas has specifically said the coaching staff was like the biggest draw. Right. So that's a factor. I think their recruiting has been good. Their recruiting has been competitive. They are recruiting five star recruits. They are recruiting athletes that could be on scholarship at a quote-unquote bigger school but they're choosing to go to Arkansas so that's part of it and I also think there's something about being the underdog that a lot of teams really thrive in being the underdog that you know can push through yeah like it's not there's a lot of underdogs out there but there's some that are like higher tier underdogs (laughs) top tier underdogs (laughs) yeah and I feel like Arkansas is that like, they're the kind of team that, honestly, going along with what we just talked about, like, they're the kind of team that could show up at regionals and just be on fire and make it to nationals. Yeah. Like, they could. Um, You know, honestly, they're in that conversation of being on the brink as well. Because they've, they've looked great this season. They've had their ups and downs. I actually think that you could argue that they are in the same scoring category as a lot of the Big Ten schools. And and it seems like the, the lower ranked SEC schools, where mm-hmm. they get scored, like, more accurately in comparison to the other top Pac-12 and SEC schools. Mm -hmm. Last week, for example, Arkansas had a good meet up until Beam where they had a count of fall, and then last week they had a count of fall on bars as well. So they've had some mistakes, but like I think what they're doing in general actually looks pretty good, but they're being scored really harshly for the little details, which is something that they're going to have to work on, but it's also not entirely their fault because it's just what's happening with scoring around the country. And it's hard because it makes a team like Arkansas that actually is doing a lot better this year than they have been in years past during the regular season. It creates the illusion that they're more behind than maybe they are Mm -hmm. with some of these other on the brink teams. But I think Arkansas is going to continue to rise. They have some stellar recruits coming in in the future. Um, and it's a school that has the resources. I mean, they, they have this nice training facility. They just got this like beautiful renovation of their locker room. Mm -hmm. They're in the sec. They have, you know, the support, they have the fan base all those things. Like they don't matter, but like, let's be real. They do matter. Yeah. Like those things do contribute to how a team performs, how a team carries themselves. And, um, I think Arkansas is like going in the right direction with everything. That does it for this week's episode. As always, we hope you guys enjoyed it. And we want to thank our Patreon supporters for helping to make this show possible. You guys are seriously the best. And we appreciate all your support so, so much. With that being said, we hope you guys have an amazing week. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.